Hello there. Welcome back to What's True for Everybody. This is experience number 29, and it's called John 11 Part 2, It's Not Everyday Grammy Dies. The last experience, uh, I I told you that this four-part series on John 11 was inspired by the passing away of my grandma, who was two months shy of being 96 years old, and she meant the world to me and a lot of other people. And she's someone who was alive for my entire life, and then as of a couple weeks ago, all of a sudden wasn't. And when Grammy passed away, I didn't really know how to feel. I felt sad for me, because I just lost my grandma. Felt uh, felt sad for Grammy, but also happy for Grammy, because she wasn't suffering anymore, and uh, she was with Jesus. I felt feel sad for my dad, my aunt, my uncles, although I also feel glad and happy that they feel peace and relief. Uh, I feel really sad for my aunt, because she was Grammy's caregiver for the last four years. And towards the end, it was a 24 hour a day job. Uh, But I also feel a little grateful that she'll have her, her life back now, a life of her own, although it will be a different kind of life because her mom is now gone. I didn't really know how to feel. When have you not known how to feel? Something happened. You were given news. You did something, whatever it was. And you're just, you're like, I don't, I don't really know how to react to this right now. So last time in the first experience of this four part series, Jesus finds out that his buddy Lazarus is sick and he waits two days to go to him and his disciples think he's crazy. He's nuts. Jesus, are you crazy? Remember that? Because Lazarus is in Bethany. Bethany is less than two miles from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where religious leaders recently tried to kill him and are going to try to kill him again. And Jesus says, look, fellas, as of right now, we'll be fine. You'll be fine. I am the light of the world. If you remember last time he does this like couple verse parable on the light of the world, the saying on the light of the world, I'm the light of the world. And, and the time hasn't come yet for me to die. It's like, by the way, Lazarus is dead. So we're going to go and we're going to do something about this. The, the work has to continue. And then the disciples still aren't convinced, uh, but they say, okay, we'll go anyway. And then you get to verse 17 in John chapter 11. And I'm going to read this part of the passage. John writes this. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. That's important. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. 
When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been there with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The same thing her sister says to Jesus a few verses before. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Uh, by the way, this last verse, verse 37, like a lot of people say, oh, look how much he loved him. But then some said, uh, couldn't he have done more? <laughs> is this guy really who he says he is? There will always be doubters. And we'll get to that in part four of the series. But for now, let's go back. So the very first verse in this, in this part of the story, what does John write? He writes, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been, already been in the tomb for four days. Uh, this is important. Last year, I think it was, all of a sudden, uh, we were going on a trip the, the, the next day, and, or I was at least, I don't remember what trip it was, but I was going to take my car to the airport and... <laughs> I start the car the evening before and the battery, it, this, this car just won't start. There's nothing, not even like a, a, an attempt to start. And so uh, my neighbor down the road, he works on cars for a living. I think I've told this story before, actually. And so I just called him and said, or went down to his house and said, hey, can you help me here? Um, I'm grateful people know how to do these kinds of things because I sure don't. And so he brings his, his battery pack to, to check the battery in my car and he hooks it up and tells me to start it. And I do, and there's nothing. <laughs> and his, his words were, oh man, it's really dead. <laughs> it's, it's not just kind of dead. It's really dead. Now, the rabbinic belief was death was irrevocable three days after a person had died. So some people believe that the soul of a dead person remained in the vicinity of the body, hoping to re-enter the body for three days. And after three days, there was no more shot. It's over. Uh, it, it, this person's really dead. How many days does John tell us Lazarus has been dead? Four, correct. What is John making sure to tell us here at the beginning of this part of the passage? He's saying, Lazarus is really dead. <laughs> He's not just kind of dead. He's not, he's not maybe dead. It's not, oh, oh, maybe someone can do something about this. He's just, he's dead. He's really dead. Remember, we said this last time, this isn't the prevention of death. This is the reversal of death. So that's how this passage starts. Lazarus, by the way, everybody, is really dead. And then John goes on. We'll jump to verse 20. He says this, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. It's a story in Luke 10 that Luke writes about Martha and Mary. Uh, Jesus is at their home and, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and, and talking to him and listening to him. And Martha is up like getting things done, just taking care of stuff. So this, Martha runs out right away to Jesus and just doing stuff. This is consistent. 
with the personalities we see in Luke chapter 10. Uh, so Martha hears Jesus is coming and she just gets up right away and goes to meet him, which by the way, when you were mourning the, the death of a loved one was against the custom. The custom was you would stay home and you would stay seated in your house and people would come to you to pay you their respects, to pay you their condolences. So when she gets up and runs out, she's actually paying a great deal of respect for and showing great faith in Jesus. And she says, basically, hey, Jesus, you're late. (laughs) You're late. Remember the same thing her sister Mary says a few verses later. Jesus gets this line twice. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever said anything like that to God? God, if you would have been here, if you would have done something, if you would have intervened, things would be different. Things would not have turned out how they just turned out. Which, by the way, apparently is okay to say to God. He can handle it. He can handle our disappointment. And then she says, she adds this, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. So for Martha, there's still faith and belief and acknowledgement of who Jesus is. And by the way, chances are she wasn't expecting a physical resurrection of her brother. She wouldn't have been expect- expecting that at all. By the way, after all, it's been four days. He's really dead. But in her disappointment, Jesus, you're late. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. In her disappointment, there is some sort of hope. I still believe you are who you say you are. There's this mix of emotions. And I'm guessing you've noticed this. Part of life is the mix of emotions. It's God, I'm not sure exactly how to feel right now. I just got this news. This just happened. This person just passed away. I don't know how to feel right now. For Grammy, Grammy had had zero quality of life at the end. She didn't eat or drink for about two weeks, the last two weeks. And we all knew she didn't want to, to live like this. Uh, And we don't want to watch her live like this. So the question is, did we want Grammy to die? Uh, Well, partly, yeah. We didn't want to see her in discomfort like how she was at the end. And, and, And we knew she didn't want to exist like how she existed at the end. We knew in a way, and maybe you've experienced this, it was time. Part of us was crying out, like, Jesus, you're late. Why would you keep her alive if this is how it's going to be? This is, there's no quality of light. Jesus, you're like, she was faithful to you for 95 years and 10 months. And this is how you'll let her lie in bed. And then there's the other part of us. And I would, for me, at least, I can't speak for everyone else, a bigger part. Uh, heck, heck no, we didn't want Grammy to die. We loved who Grammy was and we wanted her around forever. <laughs> We didn't want her to go anywhere. We, we knew we'd miss her terribly. We knew this earth wouldn't be the same without, of her, without her. And part of us was crying out, Jesus, you're early. You're early. We're not ready for this to be a reality. There's the yes and there's the no. There's the mix of emotions. There's the not totally knowing how to feel. And that's a pretty weird place to be. Side note, by the way, which isn't really a side note, but it's, it's something I've learned as a hospice chaplain. There's no perfect time to die. <laughs> There's no perfect time to die. 
Now, some deaths are, are just tragic and totally unexpected, and, and it's obvious it wasn't a good time. That's not debatable. Uh, but like in a hospice situation, which, by the way, Grammy was on, and she got put on hospice, I believe, just a couple months after I started as a hospice chaplain, and there was some sort of like, that, that, that somehow made me feel another connection to Grammy, which I've been grateful for. Uh, but sometimes people hang on longer than we would have liked. Maybe you've experienced this. And it's longer than we would have liked because of how much pain they're in or suffering they're experiencing. And when we think, Jesus, you're late. Why would you let my loved one live like this for weeks or months? But what I've experienced talking to family members and loved ones and caretakers is in those times, some of the most precious moments and memories that they have with this person are the final days and the final moments, even when we think Jesus is late. In a way, they get to say goodbye more than in other situations. But then there's sometimes the death happens really quickly, quickly, like quick, much quicker than we were expecting. And, and we think, okay, Jesus, you're early. <laughs> Why would you let them die before I got a chance to have more time with them? In this situation, these loved ones, caregivers, they might they don't have the same chance to say goodbye to their loved one, but they also don't have to watch their loved one suffer for long. It's all a mixed bag. There is no perfect time to die. Question. When have you thought, Jesus, you're late. Uh, you've been bullied or picked on or mistreated and it's going on for way too long and, Jesus, you're late. Why aren't you doing something here? You've been, you've been trying to get pregnant for years, and for whatever reason, it hasn't happened. Jesus, you're late. We've been praying about this for a long time. Why wouldn't you allow us to have the good gift of a baby right now? You're well-deserving of a promotion at work and have been passed over multiple times. You're like, Jesus, you're late. I've been working hard. I'm ready for this. I'm qualified. Why am I not getting rewarded? And then let's flip this. When have you thought, Jesus, you're early. Uh, you just moved recently. And now because of whatever circumstances are going on, it's time for you to move again, either apartments or houses or cities uh, or jobs. And you're like, Jesus, you're early. I'm not even recovered from the last move yet. How are you expecting me to do this again? Like the boxes aren't even unpacked yet. Or you, you find out your teenager is doing drugs or is pregnant and you're like, Jesus, you're early. This either was never supposed to happen or was supposed to happen years down the road. Or you've recently found gray hair on your head or massive bags under your eyes or your metabolism has seemingly stopped altogether and you're like, Jesus, you're way <laughs> early on this one. What the heck, Jesus, you're early. But in all of it, whether it's a situation, Jesus, you're late, or whether it's a, a situation, Jesus, you're early. In the disappointment, in the questions, can you find a little faith and a little hope, like Martha does in her comment to Jesus in this passage? Now, the question is from where? Or, or why? Why hope? Or where do I get this hope? Or what am I hoping in? Where does this faith and hope come from? Uh, verse 23. Jesus said to her, to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha says, if you had been here, you were late. My brother wouldn't have died. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I, I know. 
I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Martha says, you're late, but I still have some hope here and some faith that you can do something, even though I'm not expecting you to raise my brother from the dead. And Jesus' response is, your brother will rise again. Last experience. At the beginning of the story, Jesus tells his disciples, this sickness will not end in death. Now he's doubling down on that. Remember, this isn't a story about death. This is a story about life. And Martha says, yeah, duh, I know Jesus. I know. We all know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. That's not new news. By the way, do you know that Jesus promises that one day there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain? There will be a day when Jesus makes everything right. There'll be no more injustice or cheating or abuse. And what a day that's going to be. And by the way, if you haven't read Revelations, the last book in the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22 lately, or if you need a reminder that the grave isn't the end of the story, read those two, read those two chapters. But that, that day isn't the only thing Jesus is talking about here. It's actually not even, I don't think the primary thing Jesus is talking about here when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asked Martha. See, there is resurrection and there is life later for those who believe in Jesus. After someone passes away, after when Jesus comes back to make everything right. But there is also resurrection and life now for those who believe in Jesus. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus will, after four days, literally raise Grammy from the dead. I mean, if that was his plan, he actually is late. <laughs> so he's not, he's not promising he's going to do to all our loved ones what, what he's about to do with Lazarus. I won't see Grammy again this side of heaven, which is heartbreaking. But it does mean this. Number one, that Grammy is with Jesus right now. We're promised that. And one day I will see her again. And then number two, you and I get to live a resurrection life, life to the full, eternal life, whatever you want to call it, here and now, today, in this moment. If we believe Jesus is who he says he is, he says, I am the resurrection and the life, which Martha does. She says, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Then we get to experience the benefits of living with Jesus immediately. Or pronto is another word for it. We can live the experience of the benefits of living with Jesus pronto, it's, which is a different kind of experience, by the way, than Grammy is having right now. Uh, but it's an experience nonetheless. It's, it's, it's hope in the midst of what we see on the news. It's joy in the midst of sorrow. It's love in the midst of hate. It's peace in the midst of things we see going on around us. It's, it's being taken care of when we don't know how we'll pay our bills. It's patience when our kids are driving us up the wall. It's kindness on Twitter. It's, it's peace with when we're with crazy extended family members. It's self-control when we have the urge to do something we know we shouldn't do. You can experience the benefits of being with Jesus. Now, Paul, by the way, writes this letter 
Paul, at this point, towards the end of his life, he's an old pastor. He writes a letter to a young pastor. He actually writes two of them. This is the first one. It's First Timothy. And in chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So he's saying, he's saying there's life now, and there's life later. And our job, by the way, is to start fighting for the day Jesus will make everything right now. First of all, to, to believe. Jesus asks us, do you believe this? Do you believe I am the resurrection and the life? Then to bring heaven to earth starting today, however we can do it. To be kind to our neighbors, to allow others to care for us, which is humility. To love the orphan, the widow, the immigrant, the person at school or work who gets ignored. But none of this makes the death of a loved one easy, does it? <laughs> I mean, that's all nice and good. But what happens when someone dies, someone we love? Like we still feel like, God, I, I'm not sure how to feel right now. Yeah, it's great. You're the res- resurrection and the life. I believe it. Wonderful. Uh, but my heart hurts. <laughs> so what do I do now? Uh, and knowing Grammy is with Jesus, it makes it more comforting for sure. No doubt. I'm grateful for that. Uh, Jesus says, Grammy will rise again, but it still feels like this isn't the way it's supposed to be. It still feels wrong. There's still hurt and pain and mourning and grieving and anger and weeping. We'll get to why in a moment that we feel that way, by the way. So Grammy died on a Saturday. Uh, My family, we went to church the next day on Sunday, and one of the songs we sang is a song called Living Hope. And these lyrics just jumped out at me. Part of the, part of the lyrics of this says, Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There is salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. And have, you ever, have you ever been singing in church or somewhere else or just talking or telling a story or whatever, and you got like choked up and all of a sudden the words wouldn't come out anymore? They couldn't come out anymore somehow and all you could do is just like stop for a second and and try to breathe a few breaths before you can start talking or singing again. I had this moment uh, singing these lyrics in church that day because I started thinking, oh, Grammy will rise again. The grave has no claim on her. And I started wondering what worship songs Grammy was singing to Jesus at that moment and how she, she, she would see her, her husband and her dad again and, and how much joy she must be experiencing in that moment. And then about a week later, my aunt had made these beautiful cards and, and sent them in the mail to family members. Uh, it was kind of like a, a death announcement card that, that celebrated and celebrates Grammy. It's hanging on our fridge right now. And it says, born October 2nd, 1923. And then below it, it doesn't say died or passed away. It says, began new life 
July 27th, 2019. And I thought, what a great and brilliant and Jesus way to put that began new life. Not that we don't get to experience new life here because I just, just made an argument that we do. But Grammy on that day began a new kind of new life. And Grammy would want me to ask you this before I move on. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? That he is who he says he is? If so, this new life is yours also. But, but the story isn't done here in John 11. Let's jump to verse 33. This is towards the end of the story. When Jesus saw her weeping, now we're at, it's Mary. When Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. By the way, you would hire actually professional mourners after a loved one died. So there's people all around here. So when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Now, a couple words here. John tells us that, that Jesus is deeply moved. The word he uses here for deeply moved, it has a connotation of the snorting of animals. <laughs> Can't believe I just did that. Like, it's like when a horse would snort in a war or a race. This word, it means outrage or fury or to be mad. What John is telling us here is Jesus isn't just sad. Jesus is angry. He's angry. And then John says Jesus is also troubled. The word troubled here, it means stirred. It's, it's this inner agitation or turmoil or anguish. It's, it's a devastation. And Jesus isn't so much angry and devastated here at the death of his friend Lazarus because he knows he's about to take care of that. He's angry and devastated at death itself at the pain and the havoc and weeping it brings, at how it affects individuals' hearts and family dynamics, at, at how it can have long-lasting effects for the people who didn't die. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus starts crying because he's sad, sure. But it's also because, and I might even say more so from the word John writes here for deeply moved, it's because he's ticked. <laughs> he's angry at death. Jesus hates death. And this brings up an interesting uh, point. Have you ever experienced a, a faith-filled family or a friend or a funeral service where anger and devastation about a death weren't allowed? Because the attitude was, uh, oh, they're in a better place now, which isn't wrong. That's actually, that's actually true. Or they aren't suffering anymore, which isn't wrong. That's actually true. Or we don't have to watch them suffer anymore. Also, not wrong, actually true. But the attitude is, so we're just going to be happy about this. No tears, no mourning, no pain, no grieving. Have you ever experienced that? That is a dangerous and destructive response that only tells half the story. And it stuffs down these big feelings and emotions that will eventually come out somehow one way or another, either in a healthy way or in a really unhealthy way. The other half of the story is Jesus hates death. It makes him sad. And more than that, it makes him angry. And we hate death. It makes us sad. It makes us angry. It makes us miss loved ones terribly. 
And we have to properly grieve with hope, by the way, in order to deal with this well and to be whole and to be healthy. We intuitively know this is not the way it's supposed to be. This isn't the way God wanted it to be. This isn't the way God designed it. And we are right. It's not. By the way, there's also a danger, let's point this out, and a destruction in only feeling anger and pain when someone passes away and not allowing yourself to feel hope. That's equally as dangerous, just in the opposite direction. But here's the truth. There is a tension between life and death. There is a tension between life and death. I'm guessing you felt this. And the tension, this is important to note, the tension isn't ours to solve. We aren't supposed to solve it. We aren't meant to solve it. We can only live in it. We can only honor both sides of it. We're angry and we're sad and we hate this. And we also have hope because we believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And this isn't the end of the story. The best we can do sometimes is not know how to feel. When have you not known how to feel? The day Grammy died, I was texting and talking on the phone to several different family members from around the country. And somehow, and I didn't expect this, it somehow felt like a holy day to me. Holy simply means to be set apart. Uh, And this was set apart because this was a day like no other. It was different than all the other days of my life. And at one point I was talking to my cousin, Missy on the phone about the mixed emotions and weirdness of it all. And we were just kind of processing that and how we were grateful on the one hand uh, and devastated for Grammy ourselves, uh, for Grammy, for ourselves and the ones who took care of her most. And at the end of her life on the other hand, so we're grateful on one hand, we were devastated on the other hand. Uh, And I remember just saying to my cousin, I kind of like ran out of words and I just said, it's not every day Grammy dies. (laughs) And all my cousin Missy did was repeat it. She said, yeah, it's not every day Grammy dies. In other words, in that moment, neither one of us really knew how to feel or what to say. And that was okay. It's not every day you find out you're moving away from your family and your friends and what's familiar to you. It's not every day every day your child is born. It's not every day, every day you lose a pet. It's not every day you drop your kid off at college. It's not every day you get a call about a car accident. It's not every day you get the medal report from the doctor. It's not every day you have to leave your abusive spouse. There are some days that are just set apart and unlike any other. And on some of those days, we don't know how to feel. The best we can do... <laughs> is not know how to feel, and that's okay. We live in the tension of life and death. We live in the tension of good news, and at the same time, that good news brings some sort of loss or change. We live in the tension of doing what we need to do to be healthy while also disappointing someone we care about because they don't like it. but we still believe in the resurrection and the life. We still believe that the end of the story isn't here. We still have hope in the new life we have in Jesus. We, are, we still are courageous enough to stand in the tension. We still believe in the reversal of death. And we'll get to that next time.
Thanks for listening. Much love, grace, and peace to you all.